Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and it is August now, normally uh, on uh, August 10th or whenever you're listening to it. This would be the time that camp is happening, that players are gearing up, the season's about to get started, college football is just around the corner. But this year is different because of COVID-19, and the situation is changing constantly. Because within, I think, an hour, I saw news of both the Big 12 is planning on announcing their new football schedule that's going to start next month, to the Big 10 is going to cancel football this fall and none of it's going to happen. So things are changing rapidly. Pardon if this podcast is a little bit outdated depending on when you listen to it. But here is the situation. We're going to break it down, talk about it, the pros, the cons, and uh, just go through everything. So. As of uh, early Monday morning, college football is still happening this fall, but it's looking like it very well may not. And that is because this virus has not been contained. Uh, First, we saw a few days ago, MAC, the Mid-American Conference, MACTION, they announced they're going to postpone the fall season, hope that they can play it in the spring. And that was the first group of five conference to announce that. Uh, Conference USA didn't, Mountain West didn't, the MAC did. And then there were some rumors about the Big Ten and what they're going to do. Because, again, remember, these are gigantic schools in the Midwest, the Big Ten. And uh, you've got, obviously, very good academic schools. And you've got these presidents who, who are very tuned into what's going on medically. And they talked about how they're thinking of postponing. And then it sort of got out, okay, Big Ten is probably going to postpone to the spring. All the other conferences are maybe going to follow. It's obviously very tricky because uh, college football, this thing that we all love, it is completely decentralized. So, yes, there's the NCAA, but they really don't wield any power uh, or much influence. It's really just up to the individual conferences. And no one really wanted to be first in doing what no one wants to do. So it it's looking like they're going to push the football season, hopefully to the spring, and, and see if they can play it then. Looks like the Big Ten is going to do that first. Maybe now they're trying to get the other Power Five conferences on board. And then, just when you think that all hopes of fall football are dead, you have this sort of uprising from college football players and, to some extent, coaches, where you've got people who are tweeting out this hashtag, we want to play. And it's very interesting because though a lot of times you've got situations where you talk about during COVID and everything that's happening, you've got people who don't feel safe, who they, they feel at risk. They don't want to have to go back to work physically and they're sort of forced to. And in this case, it's actually sort of the inverse situation. You've got these conferences who are saying, you know what? We should probably cancel it. It's not going to work. And the players who are saying, no, 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 we want to go. We know the risks. We want to go. So it is sort of interesting because in every other situation we've seen, whether you talk about Amazon workers, you talk about the, it's hospital workers, it's the workers, the employees who are trying to either not go back to work physically or if they have to, to make sure that everything is at the highest, all the protocols, everything is up to the highest degree and that they are going to be safe. And in this case, the college players don't seem to be all that concerned about that. Meanwhile, these conferences 
are the ones who are saying, you know what, I don't think we can provide everything to keep this safe, and so it's better to not uh, play this season. So we're going to break it down. Uh, first of all, why is this happening? There are three reasons. First and foremost, the most important, is that this country has not gotten a hold of this coronavirus. Whether you want that to be political or not is up to you. But all over the world, they have done a better job handling this coronavirus and bringing down the cases. Outside of a couple countries where maybe you can't trust the numbers, China, Russia, Iran, there are a couple countries that, of course, you know, you just can't trust the numbers. It's not a free and fair media. But you look at all the countries in Europe, you look at the countries in South America and Latin America, you look at Australia, New Zealand, uh, India, you know, you, you look all over, and they have all done a better job of containing this. The U.S. is still exploding with cases to the point that it's actually worse than the first wave when we had to shut down everything. We shut down everything in the hopes to flatten the curve and get our act together, get a plan together, so that when we open up, cases don't spike dramatically. And we didn't do that. We opened up and cases have spiked dramatically to the point where this second wave, really the first wave never even ended, but this second wave is bigger than it was originally when everything shut down. So this virus is not contained at all. It's completely out of control. So first and foremost, that is number one. This country can't, you know, there's, I forget who said it, the quote, sports are are a reward for a functioning society. And in many ways, that's true. And this society, as of now, is not functioning. We cannot be safe leaving our houses because a lot of people have been forced to go back to work, to open up businesses, to do things that really aren't safe. A lot of people aren't wearing masks. A lot of people are violating social distancing things, and they're still out there partying or, or you know, going to bars or being really close with people indoors. Or, and it's, it's just not working. The numbers are still sky high. And so this virus, America just cannot do anything outside of a bubble in terms of sports. Other countries, they're playing. You look at Germany, you look at England, you look at Italy, they all resumed their seasons, their sports seasons. And I remember at first I didn't understand how they could do it outside of a bubble. It's because cases there are so few and far between. And when there is a case, everyone's been wearing a mask, they can contact trace, and it really doesn't spread much. That's not the case here. And so in Germany and England, they've all been traveling to all the stadiums. They've been getting on planes, and it's been fine. In America, you can't do it outside of a bubble. Right now, we're seeing some sports try. We're seeing baseball try. We're seeing soccer try. We're seeing a USL championship on the soccer level try. MLS is going to start to do it soon. And it's really not working. I mean, you can get by. NFL is probably going to do it. You can get by, but not without people getting sick. And if enough people get sick, people are going to be seriously affected by this. And, of course, with college, that then has a whole different level because are you really putting the health of these people at risk when they're not being compensated, when you're not paying them? So that's first and foremost that the virus just has not been contained at all. The second thing, I was just getting to it, is this question of amateurism. College football, college sports are supposed to be amateur. But... You can't really pretend that if you're going to go all out doing what they would need to do. Because if you say these are students first, you say this is amateur, that means you can't go put them in a bubble. You can't get these conferences together, get 15 teams or however many it is, and then go and put them in a bubble. And each one stays at a different hotel and one 
general geographic area, or you could split it into two and bring back the divisions or whatever you want to do, and have these teams play each other in a bubble, do what the NBA is doing, do what NWSL did, which is very successful. If you can afford being able to set that up, it's very successful that you can play sports in a bubble. The problem is, how are you going to take these kids who are supposed to be students first, student-athletes, you're going to take them off the college campuses, you're going to say it's online class only, uh, which, again, it brings a qu- maybe you could get away with that if everyone was doing classes online, but these campuses are expected to open in person. So how can you have most students go back and be at Pitt's campus in Oakland, and then you're telling the football students, you can't be here, it's not safe. So that's a big problem. Then there's also the problem of how are you going to get all these people and put them in this bubble and keep them in this hotel and still not pay them? Um, it, it sort of comes up to the players and, and and what they want. Because, again, you you scroll through this hashtag, hashtag we want to play, and you don't see players demanding money. It's actually kind of surprising because you think that's what they would want, or even expanded protections. They just want to play first and foremost. And they say, if people don't want to play, that's fine, and that you should not be penalized at all for opting out. You should get to keep your scholarship, all of that. But for people who want to play, they should be able to play. And again, it's very tricky, because there's no union. There's no uh, players association. There's no collective bargaining. So there's no one voice for college football players and so this whole thing of amateurism is really a big question mark can you do this without paying them some players will say yes that's fine other players will want to be paid if those players opt out who's dictating uh how scholarships are going to work if players are going to stay on teams how many roster spots it's just so incredibly complicated and there is no one single central government i mean the ncaa they are not leading on this at all it really is just coming down to the conferences on having to decide. And to some extent, it's even coming down to the schools on what they're going to do, the schools inside the conferences. The other part of the amateurism question is how can you have football players and say it's not safe for you to be on campus and to travel? So we're going to go put you somewhere else. But if you're on the college soccer team, if you play for pit soccer or you play for pit volleyball, you're going to stay on campus. We're not going to put you in a bubble. You still are going to have to go and travel. And by the way, those programs can't afford private planes. So they're going to have to get on planes with everyone else. And with the circulating air, you know, there's a strong chance that someone could get it. So I just don't know how you can say, I mean, we all know, of course, football's the big dog. That's the moneymaker. But when it comes to Title IX, when it comes to amateurism, when it comes to all these things that the NCAA is supposed to stand for, you can't really come out and say it that football's the excuse me that football's the most important thing, and that yeah maybe we'll have to push volleyball, yeah maybe we'll have to push soccer, but we're gonna play football no matter what. How do you come out and say that and then still say all these sports are treated equally and? All, you can't do. It's the same problem they have with paying players. If you're going to pay the football players, then how can you get away with not paying the soccer players and not pay, playing paying the volleyball players? It's just incredibly complicated. And so you can't really say volleyball is state safe to be on campus and to travel on planes, but football it's not. So that's the huge question. And then the third thing is the health. 
And that's really what it comes down to. The third part of it is the actual health of it's not safe to have this many people in such close proximity to be getting on planes, to be playing other teams where you have those people in close proximity, to have linemen, offense, defense, line up right next to each other, to have guys tackling each other, breathing on each other, spitting on each other. It's just not safe. But the fact that health, that COVID is actually the third reason why college football very well may not happen this fall is kind of remarkable because really it does come to, it is the third most important thing. In my opinion, the first is on a nationwide level that we just have not been able to contain this virus whatsoever. It is still rampant. And then the second is that there are just way too many questions that you can't answer. At least you can't answer in a couple of weeks because the time frame. It's getting closer and closer when this start date's supposed to be. You can only kick the can down the road for so long. And all these questions that maybe NC, the NCAA and all these conferences are going to have to answer fairly soon about players and how you compensate them and our football players are the same as, as volleyball players. And can we put one in a bubble? Can we say one does online classes, the other doesn't? How differently can we treat these different athletes and these different students? Because again, they're all students. How differently can we treat them? Those are tough questions to answer, and the NCAA has not come up with answering them. So there are just a lot of issues, and I don't know if you can resolve those in just a few weeks. And that's, I think, one of the major reasons why this college football season likely won't happen in the fall. Because they can buy themselves some time if they push it to the spring on what are they going to do and, and try to figure out how different are these football players, these student-athletes, from all the other students we have and the other student-athletes that we have and how differently can we treat these people while still saying this is an amateur thing, these are students first, but also pulling out all the stops. So there are just a lot of questions to go around, and I don't think they can do it in a few weeks. And so as much as these players want to play and these coaches want to play, and I've seen the hashtags, Rashad Weaver from Pitt says, if opting out is okay, then opting in should should be just as okay. If we want to play, we should be able to play. If you don't, you don't. Jimmy Morrissey said, I really want to play this season. I want to make sure uh, that, that uh, you know, we can all move in the same direction and put forth the effort to, to have a season during these chaotic times. You've got uh, Trevor Lawrence down at Clemson sort of leading the charge and saying, we want to play. You've got Justin Fields from Ohio State saying, There's, we've put so much work in, we want to play. And you've got all these players saying, we want to play. And I completely understand it. And again, it's kind of fascinating because in most cases, you've got people who are generally, the situation generally works out where the employees are the ones saying, we don't want to have to do this. You're making us do this because you're going to make money. We want to be safe. And so we don't want to go back to work either in person or if we do, it has to be with all the safety protocols. And then the company is saying, no, we want you back ASAP. And then you sort of have the dividing lines there of people who are generally they they want people to come back and they more side with the business, with the ownership, and they, they don't really want to see organizing. They don't really want to see a union. And then you've got the other side. In this case, it's flipped. So you've got people who are generally anti-employees organizing, anti-union, anti-collective bargaining, who are now siding with the players because they are in a way unionizing, many of them. And again, it, it's tough to say because maybe if you don't want to play, it's not so popular to tweet out right now. There's not going to be a hashtag trending, we don't want to play, of all the college football players who are saying, no, I want to sit this one out. So that's a big part of it. We just aren't hearing from the people who don't want to play outside of the few guys who have publicly opted out. 
But there might be guys with reservations who don't really feel safe and they just aren't tweeting. But from what it seems, most of these players, most of these college football players, they want to be out there. And they are, in a way, organizing, trying to make sure that they can play football. And the people who are normally, uh, because they, they want them to get out there, the people who are normally siding with the ownership are now siding with the players. And the people who normally side with the employees saying, no, it's not safe. Even if you want this, it's just not safe. It's just not smart. They're now sort of siding with maybe the conferences saying, hey, I know you want to get back on the field, but it's just not the safest or the smartest thing to do right now, and it's not just about you. This is a public health thing. So it's really complicated, and it really things have been turned upside down because, again, this is a public health issue. It's not like smoking a cigarette, where if you choose to smoke, that just affects you and maybe people who live in your house, but it really just affects you. It's just going to affect your lungs. It doesn't really affect other people for the most part. In this case, that's not true at all. Unless all you're doing, these players, unless all they're doing is football and then staying in their rooms, they're going to go out and they're going to, this would spread. So if they get it, it's going to spread to other people and it could very well be a problem. I remember when I was a student and I would come back from a game, I was in the band and we get let off at the bus and the football team's bus would let out at the same point right on Forbes outside the McDonald's and all the players would go into the McDonald's because they're hungry and they just finished a football game and they want to eat McDonald's. Well, if you just have a bunch of players who may have COVID or may, you know, may be able to spread it, Going into this McDonald's where other people are, other students are, if you have them going into dorms where other people are or apartments where other students are, you have them being just in the neighborhood of Oakland, you know, older people who live there. You can't just limit this. Again, that's why a bubble works, because there is just no way, especially with college students who I'm sure when I go, you know, going to party at some point, go to some South O apartment at some point, you can't tell me that no one's going to get it. And if someone gets it, it's probably going to spread in the team. And if anyone on the team gets it, there's just no way that you can tell me that it won't then spread throughout the community. So it is not just, well, let me decide what I want to do for my own health, because it's not just affecting you. It's not just affecting them. Like I said, if these players just go football home, football home, that's it, and everything else is delivered to them, then I'd say fine. It's completely up to them. It's their personal decision. But if they're going to be going out to the grocery store and they're going to be going to classes with other students and they're going to be doing whatever they do and being in the community and and yet they're putting themselves at risk, I just don't see how that is smart or safe to have these people who are putting themselves at higher risk for entertainment value and for sports. You know, these, these aren't hospital workers, but they're going and putting themselves at higher risk. Fine for them if they want to do it but then going out into the community and possibly spreading this virus. That's where it gets hung up on the moral question of this, because it really isn't just their health. If it were, then I would say absolutely. You know, it's it's your choice. Decide what you want to do. But this is a public health crisis. This is a community crisis. And if someone has it, they will very likely then spread it throughout the community because they aren't in a bubble, because they have other things to do. And so that's what it comes down to. When they get food, when they go to a house, when they go to class, that's what it comes down to. It would likely spread to other people. And that's why it very well may not be smart and may not be safe to put these people in a high-risk situation 
when it could then very well spread outside of just the football team. Very tricky. And I completely, I, I definitely understand both sides. And I want college football. I think we all want college football. This is what we want as as people who work in there. And not just college football, by the way. I work in, in college sports as a whole. I make money. I get work from announcing college soccer and from announcing college volleyball. And it's looking like I may not get to do that. So I hate this. I really hate this. And I and I despise when people make it seem like some in the media are rooting for the virus or some people. No. No one's wanting that. Some people just acknowledge what the problems are, and they want everyone to be smart and to be safe. We want college football to come back. It's just a question of how safe is it and how how smart is it. It really just comes down to those things. And with the virus still being as prevalent as it is, and with you not being able to put the players in a bubble or give them too much special treatment because they're students first, because they're amateurs, you can't pay them, you can't whisk them away from campus and all these things, you can't do that, uh, I just don't know how this would work. Because, you know, you talk about it, personal responsibility, it's not just a personal thing. It spreads throughout a community. It is public health. Anyone who gets it, it, it's not too common that someone gets this coronavirus and then never spreads it to anyone else because it spreads so easily. So if someone gets it, they're likely going to spread it, whether that's around the team or outside of the team, whether it's to other students, whether it's to faculty, whether it's to people who are working at the McDonald's on Forbes or, or one of the Rite Aids or whatever you're talking about, it would spread throughout the community. And it's just putting a lot of people at increased risk who can't opt in. I understand why these players want to opt in, and I completely respect that they want that choice. But unless you are telling me that they can essentially be put in a bubble, that you're going to have all the football players in their own dorm, you're going to block off Sutherland, and all the football players are going to be in there by themselves, no one else, and they're not going to leave there except for football stuff, just go back and forth from the practice facility to Heinz to other stadiums, and they're going to travel on, on private planes and all that. If they're not putting anyone else at risk in the equation, then I'm completely fine. But I just don't see any way that you can do that under the guise of amateur student athletes. You're going to put other people at risk. Whatever it is, if you're traveling with other people, if it, not everyone gets to choose their risk level and what they want to do, if they want to opt in or not. The players might want to opt in, but they, the people who are going to be all around them, the people who live and, and go to school in Oakland, the people who work in Oakland, the people who, all these things, they don't really get to opt in and decide and make that personal decision uh, if they want to be around these people or not. So I completely understand and I completely respect that these players want to play. And it's it's really cool to see these, these college football players, so in a way, sort of organizing here, which is something they haven't been able to do, and saying, if you want to sit out, you should absolutely have the right to sit out. But if you want to play, then then we should absolutely get to play. I completely understand that. I completely respect it. And it's actually cool to see. But it's just very difficult to be able to just keep it at that, where it's simply a one person, one body, one health, and that's all it is. It would very likely spread. You would have to have the, the student-athletes under immense 
immense uh, security, and and they'd have to have so much personal responsibility. They couldn't go to a South Oakland party. They could not go to a South O basement. They couldn't just go out and go to the grocery store, go to McDonald's. They would have to have food brought to them. They would have to be able to stay in their dorms almost constantly. They would have to wear a mask everywhere that they go at all times to make sure if they get it, that they are not spreading it to anyone else in the community. That's what you have to do. And uh, as much as these people want it to happen, I completely get it. It's just human nature with with 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. I just don't see... It happening. I don't see as great as they are. Personal responsibility is tough for people with all ages when it comes to this virus. I don't know how it's going to fare with college students. So it really is. I get that they want to play. I get that they want it to be up to them, but it involves more than just them. And I wish it didn't. I wish they could just be in a bubble and play and this just be a, a TV product that we all get to watch and enjoy because I really want it to happen, but it affects more than just them. You talk about testing. That If they're getting tested constantly, we're seeing testing and getting results back. That's a problem again now in the U.S. Some places are taking up to two weeks to get people their results back. So these tests have become sort of meaningless. And part of that is because you now have priority tests and you've got these athletes, people in MLB and things like that. They're getting tested and they're getting the results back within a day, almost immediately. And that's because they're priority. So how can you have those people and say, this is the most important thing. And I'm sorry, if you don't play football, you don't get a test. We saw this at the beginning of the crisis with NBA players all getting tested and no one else could get a test. And we don't want that to happen again. If testing was everywhere and everyone could get a test at all times and you would get it back in like two days, I would say absolutely fine. Perfect. But if you're telling me that because of athletes, they're going to be able to get their tests back instantly and other people are going to have to wait up to two weeks for results we just can't have that sports are a reward for a functioning society and as long as this society is not functioning when it's taking this long for people to get their test results back you can't then mark priority access for all these athletes all over the country i want it to happen i really want it to happen i want college football i think we all do i just don't know if it's smart or safe i don't know what's going to happen We'll see. This is being posted on Monday. We'll see what happens. Each conference, again, it's not centralized. So each school can decide something. Each conference can decide something. Maybe the NCAA steps in. But as of now, there is just no centralized answer. And uh, it's very difficult. I'm not sure what the outcome is going to be. I'm not sure what the resolution is going to be. I could see it going either way, but it's interesting to see this sort of pushback from players and some coaches saying, we want to play, and the conference is saying, uh, I don't know about that. It might not be smart. I understand both sides, and I respect both sides. But at a certain point, you have to look above the whole situation and see what is smart, what is safe. And if you can find a way to play college football in a way that is smart and safe and that the NCAA can continue to say that these people are students first and that they're amateurs, perfect, that would be amazing. But I don't know if you can accomplish all three. Have it be smart, have it be safe for all involved, and continue the guys that these people are uh, true amateurs. I don't know if you can do that. Uh, so before we go, I just want to go, uh, give Panther of the Week shout-out Jalen Twyman. Pit football took a big hit this weekend. Jalen Twyman, who... Could have been an All-American. He could have been the next Aaron Donald this season. He had an Aaron Donald-like season last year. He announced... 
before any talks of season shutting down or whatever, he announced that he was uh, going to forgo his senior season and prepare for the NFL draft. I completely respect it. I get why he's doing it, whether it's purely just to to protect his body, whether it's COVID-related, whether it's all sort of mixed together, which I'm sure it is. Uh, I completely understand reasonings. If I were a football player, I would have serious doubts about going out on a football field right now if I can go and, and make some great money in uh, in a few months in the NFL. So I completely understand it, and uh, and you have to respect the hell out of him for what he's done on the football field and how he's been a representative for Pitt. But man, this virus really ruins everything. If this virus didn't happen, Pitt would have what is very likely to be the best defense in decades. I was going to say this century, but it goes back even predating 2000. I mean, best defense probably since the 80s. And this team actually could have gone 10 and 2. And a lot of things could have been accomplished this year because the defense was supposed to be that good. And now it's not happening. Uh, we Very well, a season may not happen, but even if it does, Jalen Twyman will not be part of that defense. I completely understand why, and I respect him for making that decision and for everything he's done for Pitt. Uh, but it just really sucks that this virus came when it did in the year that Pitt really wanted to be able to get on the football field and show what they could do with a defense with all these players. And they're not going to have all those players if there is a season at all because of this coronavirus. It sucks. Pitt really, really could have had a sensational year. And it's just looking like whether it's the players opting out, whether it's a season not happening, or at least not till the spring, it's looking like we won't get to see what this pit defense in all its glory was going to be. And so, of course, that's frustrating. Of course, it happens to pit right when they're about to have their best defense in decades, maybe their best team in decades. Of course, COVID hits and you're going to start losing players and maybe the season. Of course, it happens to pit. So that is my episode uh, for Unscripted. That will be it for this week. We'll see when we come back. It may be in a week. It may be even before that. Because if they announce, if the ACC announces that there's no college football until the spring, come back and do a pod. So we'll see when this comes back. Obviously, was hoping to get more of a regular uh, pattern and rhythm with these weekly. But if there's no season, uh, then we'll have to see about that. Again, we're all rooting for a season. We just don't know if it's going to happen. So keep an eye out for news. Cardiakill.com will have everything about what's going on with the season, if they're going to play, when they're going to play, what the plan is. Keep your eyes to Cardiac Hill for all of that. And you can follow Cardiac Hill on Twitter, of course, as well as me, Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N on Twitter. And we'll see what happens. The players want to play. The conferences don't know if it's smart. We'll see who comes out on top. Uh, Until next time, I'm Corey Cohen, signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast.